You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Welcome to My Mac Podcast, episode 427. As you may realize, this is not the familiar voice. Guy and Gaz are over this week uh, on the Three Geeky Ladies podcast. So I'm Timothy Gregoire. I'm from the Church Tech Geeks podcast at thechurchtechgeeks.com. And this week on the podcast with me, I have Ryan Wells. How are you doing today, Ryan? Pretty good. How's it going? Pretty good. Well, as you can tell, everything's kind of crazy. And uh, be warned, we're not quite as crazy in Guy and Gaz. We don't have the soundboards loaded up, so you don't have to worry about that this week. Um, but we do have a lot of different interesting things. They're a little different from what Guy and Gaz normally talk about, but I think you'll find it interesting. So first, Ryan, how's your week been going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Got, uh, like you said, definitely some interesting things going on. Lot, lot to talk about uh, these days. Oh, yeah, especially with the news we found out about an hour ago about uh, Scott Forstall and stepping down and everything else. We'll get to that a little later. Uh, first, let's see, one of the things that's been going on this week, I've been dealing with uh, DD work on different routers. Um, you know, at church, we had a little security issue. We found out that somebody was getting out of the guest network into the main one. So uh, DD work is an alternative firmware you can uh, use. It's open source. A lot of different people like Bart Bouchot have recommended it. Uh, it's good for a lot of things, but it has blown my mind several times trying to figure out how to set it up and firewalls and everything else like that. But once it's set up, it's pretty good, but you have to watch it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now now we got it. After, after some minor adjustments, we've got it up and rolling and, uh, and actually working, uh, working very well. Oh, yeah. One of the important things when you're dealing with this is read the documentation. Make sure when you're trying to put alternative firmware on a on a router, you have a backup of everything. You make sure you're putting the right one on there. Otherwise, you're going to brick your router. There's no way to get it out of there. It's not like an iPhone. These are pretty easy to brick. Yeah. You do the wrong thing and keep a backup of your configuration before changing everything. Yeah. All the time. Another thing we've been looking at is uh, a Persona's console in the church. Um, have you seen these before, Ryan? I have not. Okay, well, um, most boards, most soundboards in the past have been analog, where uh, it's been there's no type of digital anything on them. They're all basically just sliders and all the different knobs and everything. But Personas takes us a leap further, and it allows everything to be fully digital. So Personas is kind of a uh, it's a middle ground between going completely analog and completely digital. Completely digital can cost upwards of twenty six thousand dollars for a low end board not counting your digital rack and things like that. So that's the reason we've been looking at it. So Personas, it's analog in and analog out, but it's digital processing. So basically, instead of having all the different knobs, it gives you more controls per channel. Like one of the things what we didn't have on the old board, and by the way, the old one blew smoke about a year ago, and we're still on it. <laughs> right. So yeah, one of the advantages of the Personas board is um, it has a noise gate now. So any feedback issues, we can kind of eliminate those a little bit by using noise gates and eliminate unnecessary sounds on stage because anything below a certain noise threshold is going to mute the mic automatically. We don't have to do anything right. with it. But it cuts back in without an issue constantly. And it's really easy to use and getting a lot of that customized. So when looking at some of the different stuff and we were looking through all the old snakes and things at church, we found that uh, they cut the old snake in half and soldered it back together. So no one, we got a power line buzz. <laughs> Man, but but as as you were saying, those some of those uh, those digital boards can definitely be costly, and uh, on a church budget, we know we we can't be frivolous, so we have to kind of get creative and find some ways to kind of combat that and 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 not sacrifice quality uh, just for just for the sake of the budget. 
Oh yeah, one of my favorite features is everybody knows it's a pain in the butt to try to sound check with every all the musicians because they always got to have some monitor adjusted or this or that when they're there. So instead, with the Personas console, it records every channel independently to their software, oh, independent of settings. So it kind of saves it, but you can go back and play it back into the board later, and you can adjust exactly what they had that morning on the board, and you can change your settings for the next week without them there. Wow! Sound wow, that's awesome. monitors will run and everything. So that's definitely a setup, and I think it's worth the price just there. Yeah, yeah. But also one of the amazing things that kind of relates it to uh, Mac and iOS is that the Personas consoles can be completely controlled from iOS. Wow, man, that's a huge advantage. Oh, yeah. they um, There's different apps, and they're free. You don't have to add anything onto it. Like some of the other consoles, they have apps they are not as good. But you download the free app, and you log in, and you have different user-assigned roles. So I could have full control of everything, but the musicians on stage could have their iPad and they can adjust their monitor mix so you, they're not yelling over the entire church during the service and creating a distraction. Instead, they can just adjust their own levels, and I can kind of lock them out at what volume they can go so they don't blow us out of there with feedback. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's always important. <laughs> you got the few that'll try, but that's a definite advantage. It's one of the big reasons we've been looking at it. So that'll be interesting to see if we can finally convince you know the committees and everything to go with it. Yeah, yeah, that's the that, that'll be a, a, a the next tax. Always a struggle <laughs> in the Baptist church. <clears throat> yep. Oh yeah. So let's start. Let's move over to the uh, mymac.com website. A bunch of different reviews this week, and you see different podcasts coming up through the Swap of the Stoplight Network. So let's see. Right at the top, we've got. Uh, so explain why there are no ladies. Three geekies lady. Three geeky ladies. Episode twelve. This is where guy and gas take over, and there's no telling what they'll check about. I see. It looks like they're talking about the horrible Amazon affiliate program. It looks like they're taking over with their constant um, soundboard action. So go check that out at the top of mymac.com. Wow. Next on the list, we've got Take Control Crash Plan Book Review. This is a book by Tidbits. It costs uh, $15, and it helps you understand everything at Crash Plan. It's a great backup tool. I use it myself. It allows you to back up to different people at no cost, or you can back up to their service, which I also do, and also have people back up to me. So people with no backup, you can help them uh, get a backup for free or just an external drive you have laying around. And I had to keep from getting that call. Um, I've lost all my data, and I don't have a backup. <laughs> answering that horrible call, which I've almost had to do today with an HP I'm working on, removing 30-something viruses. Wow. Next on the list is Three Geeky Ladies Podcast. Uh, or th Three Geeky Ladies actually take over Tech Fan Podcast, number 97, uh, so Eliza, Suze, and Vicky talk about first aid for Macs and iOS devices and replacing hard drives and how to fix other issues. So be sure to check that out. Next, we've got a Genius Widecam F100 review. And it's a new webcam you can attach to your MacBook Pro. It looks like it's higher resolution. And be sure to check that out for what they think of it. Uh, next on the list is an article by uh, by Darren over at my Mac talking about uh, what's up with Apple's new iPad announcements. Talks about comparisons of some of the new iPad and the new new iPad since they replaced the third generation already six months in. We won't go into that rant here <laughs> at least quite yet. And also the iPad Mini. So there's some information on that there. Next is the Joby Grip Tight Micro Stand review by Kurt Blanchard. Uh, it's a device, it's a tripod for your iPhone. Looks like it locks your iPhone 5 in, so be sure to check that out. And also, they've got some predictions. You can see whether my Mac was wrong or right before it. And also, we've got a review by Gaz himself of the Alloquip 
Allo Clip Quick Connecting Lens Solution for iPhone 4 and 4S. Alright, so with that, we're going to go to our first break. As guys will say, stand by to stand by. Lisa Pisali. I'm Suze Gilbert. I'm Vicki Stokes. And we're the three geeky ladies. You could be watching Hoarders. Or you could be reading Fifty Shades of Grey. You could be ghost hunting. Or you could be listening to the three geeky ladies. So put down that book, shut off the TV, and turn on your iPod. And listen to the three geeky ladies. Find us on iTunes under the Stoplight Network. G-Men, a show almost good enough to listen to. Ryan, pretty big week in Apple News, don't you think? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so first off, since Guy and Kaz were last on, uh, we've had the giant keynote where we saw the iPad Mini finally after how many years of rumors about that and Steve saying <laughs> it was a terrible idea. And then them calling 7-inch tablets a failure, which I kind of agree. And... Then they talk about and shocked everybody with the fourth generation iPad, and they refreshed most of their Mac lines. So, uh, what were your thoughts of the announcements, Ryan? Well, I think uh, it, it, it was only, I guess the uh, the the second, uh, I guess uh, real um, alarming kind of, I, I guess not not alarming uh, surprise. First with the iPhone five that. Uh, of course, as as we've discussed, uh, was not a uh, was not a I guess kind of consistent with the generation that came out. So the name was kind of kind of off a little bit. But then to to come out with this, definitely kind of against the grain and 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 definitely not consistent with what Apple has been doing uh, related to the the iPad. So kind of kind of uh, kind of catches you off guard a little bit and and kind of has you wonder a little bit uh, what's going on, but. Uh, I, I think it, it is definitely a, a market that they were not capturing. So uh, possibly something that will uh, definitely short-term improve their fourth quarter uh, numbers, but also uh, possibly even have them penetrate a market that they weren't uh, getting into and, and necessarily affecting. Definitely. And I was pretty shocked at first. I was mad when I first saw on Twitter that they released a fourth generation iPad. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I've had my third generation iPad for five months now. You have, no. There's no ER for going to create obsolete. And then right. you see it. I mean, they upped the processor a little bit. It's not anything huge to uh, panic over, I don't think. They changed up for the lightning connector, but it's not – it doesn't make my iPad obsolete, and I'm not as aggravated about it anymore. But I do think it's a good upgrade, and I don't think Apple's being completely inconsistent here. I think they're changing the time they released the iPad from March to kind of now to where we're going to start seeing all of our iOS devices uh, launch at the end of the year. I mean, we saw it with the iPhone. They switched it from June to October last year. Now they kind of bumped it up to September along with the iPod because the iPod's not as big of an event anymore. You don't see it quite as big as it used to be. Like, there's still an iPad, iPod market, and it's not going away by any means, but the, the iPhone has gotten, has captured a lot of it thanks to, uh, thanks to the iPhone succeeding what Steve wanted it to. It's, a, it's an iPhone, or it's a phone with an iPod built in. It's an internet communicator. 
Right, right. And 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 again, fourth quarter sales have been they said that's when that's when products sell and uh and it only uh, lines up with that and and so we do see uh you know, launching these products in the fourth quarter uh along with the holidays will will definitely uh kind of uh, allow them to kind of finish off the year strong and solid. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. People don't always realize that Apple is not a charity. They're not out there to just create products to make people happy. Even they enjoy it. They make great products. That's why I think we both buy them. But they're not – you have to remember that Apple's a company. They're looking to make money. They're not just out there to, oh, you want this? Okay, we're going to give it to you at a cheap price. Right, right. They're not in the cheap market. I think that's what's gotten them so much success so far. So um, at this event, we finally saw the iPad Mini, which we have been – hearing rumors about and you have driven me crazy about for months yes so what are your thoughts on the ipad mini so far well uh again i think it's it's a it's an area that they uh were were kind of um uh we'll say an area they they had not penetrated they were kind of leaving on the table and uh and so they they allowed to uh, to be able to compete with some of the other guys uh in that seven inch tablet market uh, they they they're able to offer a uh, superior product at uh, at just a little more, and and I think it'll be a it'll be a great seller, and uh, you know especially uh, not not having the the Retina display, but you're still going to have a, a a good quality product. You're going to be able to do FaceTime, and and even for the guys without the uh, without the cell phone service, you can you can get it you know just over three hundred bucks. So uh, again, I think it's a, a market that uh, they were missing out on. They're going to be able to capture that, and uh, and I've even I've even entertained the thought of of going snag one up once they're once they're available. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Since we saw the black or the white model sell out in twenty minutes on the Apple online store, it went on pre order, and the black model went out in about twenty three hours. Now, what do you think of the price point? I heard there was a lot of people complaining, oh, Apple should have priced it $250. I think we're again seeing here that Apple is not out there to help people. They're out there to make money, and they're not going to sell a product with low margins. Right, right. And and at the same time, what you get for that, uh, you, you know that you're going to get a quality product. It's not going to be something that, you know, uh, they're they're cutting corners on. You know you're going to get, uh, you're going to get, uh, you know, I mean, all, all the, all the, uh, services that we've come to love and enjoy through Apple, and uh, you know, with the with the new operating systems, and and so I, I think the the price is is not. Uh, I don't think it's too much. I think you can definitely justify, especially uh, compared to the other tablets in that in that uh, that price range. You, I mean, you, you're not going to get a better tablet for that price. Yeah, and I think we're seeing here that Apple's not. They're not out after the seven inch mark. They're not going out to just. Captured. They're looking to create a superior product, which is what Apple's known to do. Like there were tablets before the iPad. I mean, there were expensive Windows things that really nobody liked to use. There were some employers that had them with XP on them that everybody I've talked to, they were a terrible experience. And I've seen a couple, and you had to use a stylus with it. And yeah. The closest thing to that you had was a Palm, and it was the size of an iPhone and had a pretty terrible touchscreen, no app support. You see, Apple is changing the market here. I mean. Yes, I, I do think it's going to hurt Kindle sales to some extent because, at least for me. As I bought a Kindle last year, if I would have seen a an iPad for three twenty nine compared to the two hundred dollar Kindle, I would have waited long enough to just get the iPad. Yeah. Knowing, especially for the app ecosystem, because again we've seen on Android and we've heard Guy talk about it on this very show where he bought his cheap Android tablet, where it's um kind of it kind of works. Um, you're not going to get a good product, and with Android, the issue is 
there's not a whole lot of apps made specifically for tablets. Honestly, they are stretched phone apps. And what's really the point of that? You're buying, if you want a phone that big of a screen, go buy a Samsung Galaxy Note and be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. Go buy you a phablet. And I do think it, though, it is going to cut down some of the uh, 10 inch iPad screens. So many people think about how much they're spending on it and whether they just want to go ahead and go with the, um, go with the mini, iPad mini because, like they said, it's got the, it's got almost the exact same specs, uh, it's a little bit of an upgrade is the iPad 2. It's this exact same screen resolution, which is good for the developers because now, as a developer, I don't have to go in and design a completely separate interface for the iPad mini. It's just going to work. Yeah. Scale down from the iPad 2. Now, we basically, we're still at, we're at five different screen resolutions. You have a non-Retina iPhone, which is really going away since the 3GS is no longer on sale. You've got a Retina iPhone, which is the 4 and the 4S in the iPod Touch 4th generation. And you've got the iPhone 5 type screen resolution, which is Retina, but it's a little bit taller, which you can scale pretty easily. It's not that hard to do. And then you've got iPad Retina and iPad non-Retina, and it fits all in Apple's different devices compared to Android. Uh, if I wanted to run on the Kindle Fire, I'd have to customize for the Kindle Fire this generation. If I want the Kindle Fire HD, it's another one i got to customize for, or the Zoom, yeah. or let's see, the Samsung Galaxy Tab 7, and the Galaxy Tab 8, and the Galaxy Tab 10.1, and it's just... And then you have to yeah. buy all those devices, and it's just a pain. So I think Apple's doing the right thing here. Yeah, yeah, and definitely go, going along with that, you know, that that it's already on a, a, a as you said, a, a platform that developers are already used to, they're already familiar with. It's not uh, additional work for them. So the integration is going to be is going to be seamless. It's it's not going to be uh, a challenge, and uh, it's not creating extra work. So. Um, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll definitely see as I've as I've been uh, messing with my my dinosaur, the first generation that uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some uh, some features that I'm missing out on. Uh, I'm kind of debating, OK, what, what do I do? Well, this is now uh, easier to justify. Oh, well, it's just three hundred dollars uh, as opposed to shelling out another five hundred. So, uh, you know, I, I, again, it, it, it was something that uh, definitely caught my ear and, and I'm definitely uh, highly considering and, and probably will move in that direction to be able to, uh, to, to still have the features that I, that I want to have on the iPad, uh, but not having to shell out the extra money. Definitely. And I see another huge feature of the, uh, of the iPad mini really being that, uh, well, there's the panic over Apple is going to abandon these older, uh, these older iPads and things with, support of iOS. There, there was a pretty big panic I saw coming out on Twitter about the third generation iPad. And suddenly, since Apple discontinued, it's going to be obsolete and you're not, not going to get iOS 7. It's just a huge panic. No, Apple's yeah. not going to do that. I mean, obviously, if it's still an A5X processor, they're going to support this for a while. I mean, they put iOS 6 on a 3GS. They're not going to stop supporting an A5X processor with iOS 7. I don't see that happening at all. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's the. I I agree with that, and I, I think it's gonna. It's it's really gonna. Um, again, I, I've I've been I've been needing to upgrade uh, for some time now, and uh, and and I, I definitely uh, am now highly considering it because uh, really the price is, is is doable. It's not it's not a stretch, and it's not something that uh, that that is really that huge of an inconvenience, especially considering what you get. And and compared to the to the market, uh, I mean it's it's really even a, a no brainer. Oh yeah, and now also on top of just the uh, the iPad announcement changing what they did there, Apple also unveiled a whole batch of new Macs, and uh, one of them I really had my eye on. But uh, what do you think of all the new Mac announcements, and what do you think that means? You know, I uh, 
uh, I tell you, I'm, I'm very satisfied with my Mac, uh, my MacBook that I have. I, I'm not, uh, I'm probably not going to look at going that direction, but uh, I will tell you this, having been on it, uh, I was actually just talking to my mother, which is a, a PC user, and she's telling me about her computer and the different things she has. Once uh, once it's time to get a new computer, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm getting. Uh, but uh, as for me, I'm, I'm going to hold off a little bit longer. And, 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 and this is the deal. You know that when you buy uh, a MacBook, you know it's going to last. You know it's a it's a quality. Same thing with the with the iPad. You know what you're getting. Uh, you're going to pay a little bit more. And, and as we, as my mom and I were talking just a couple of days ago at the at the prices, and, and she's saying, "Why why would you do that?" And I said, "You you won't know until you use one. But once you use one, you'll understand. It's it's justifiable when you when you use this." You're not going back. You you you, you get spoiled, and uh, and and you you can't you can't turn back to that. And uh, and, and just knowing that. So uh, as for me, I'm going to hold off a little bit longer. But uh, I know which I know I know where I'm going when it's time to get a new one. Oh yeah, and the Mac that particularly caught my eye, um, besides just the MacBook Pro refresh, which I think we all kind of expected at some point. We didn't know it was going to be that day where we we're going to see a 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro, which that's an incredible machine. Now. I, I'm running on a 13-inch MacBook Pro 2010 model. I've kind of upped the RAM, and I'm probably going to put an SSD in here at some point to speed it up. But I don't know. The price point, it's not quite there yet for me. I think uh, when we see the Retina's display prices coming down, I think that'll be the point where I'll jump over. Really? Yeah. yeah and, and also we're seeing that there's still some apps that I rely on that are not going to have Retina support yet, like MediaShout does not have Retina support. And that that's a pretty big one. Like, it'll work, but I'm not going to stare at that ugly interface. It's not on retina yet that's just not right until right. i'm in that much and then also when you're dealing with live video you got to deal with the different resolutions you got to make sure that media shots can be completely compatible before i start jumping over to things like that especially reviewing stuff for my own podcast i have to make sure the apps have a fair chance to run they're not going to run to an issue just because i've upgraded to a newer machine right the mac that really caught my eye and i think it's going to have the biggest um I think I see the biggest implementation for it, even though that some people have looked on it as like a, an inferior Mac, is the Mac Mini. I think yeah. it's getting to the point where it could be a really useful machine for a lot of places, and that kind of gets rid of the thing where Macs are more expensive. Starting yeah. at $600 with 4 gigs of RAM, 500 gig hard drive, and you've got a dual-core i5 in the base model with, a, with the newest Intel uh, processor out there. That's not a bad machine. Yeah, you're right. It's going to run pretty much anything you need to do on there without much of an issue. I mean, it's going to run Xcode without an issue for somebody like me who's programming. It's a good test machine for anybody. Um, we're looking at those for church, especially we're talking about with the Personas board. You have to have a computer to go with it, and that's what I'm pushing to put along with it. Yeah. It's at the price point where it's not quite killer like an iMac, but I don't know. And it's not... It's the Mac that's not completely sealed yet either. You can get, still go in and repair it. Like Apple advertises that it's really easy to take the bottom off. It's just you turn it and pull up on the bottom panel. Yeah. So I think that's going to be – I think that's where I see uh, – if I need a desktop Mac at some point, that's definitely going to be the one I'm going to be getting because I like the idea of the iMac. I just – I don't know. Something about the all-in-one I just don't – I don't like for some reason. Really? Yeah, I don't know. It's just – maybe it's because I like the little bit of repairability and I don't like – I don't know. I'm not completely sold on the MacBook Air I, uh, way of thinking of things yet where your computer is a sealed package. Once you get it, you can't do any upgrades to it besides maybe the SSD at some point. That's just 
It's a little too closed off because, again, we expect to keep our computers more than two or three years, and the first component goes out in there, and once you're out of warranty, and you're pretty much done. computer at, that we'll, we'll be looking at and this is uh this is probably the direction we're going to go in as well uh just with the mag mini again it, it is uh i, I kind of like to take my stuff apart too and and uh and, and kind of add and and you know that kind of stuff so definitely uh definitely having those those features and the ability to be able to do it uh is 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 great to to do so that that will probably be the direction we move in uh like i said in probably the next six months as well as a, as a family Oh, yeah, definitely. I see uh, one of the big things is, you know, we recently installed a network rack at the church to kind of organize all the different cables when they all come to one point. So it's not just a giant mound of a network switch. And I definitely see this a Mac Mini being a use as a server in a church where we could have all of our different uh, media and things hosted on it. Get back to the server. It runs all the time and hosts all the church's files. It could be handling mail. It could be a web server if you program it to be. I mean, it's just, it's got so It's small form factor. It's not going to be terrible on heat or anything else like that. So it's just got so many different uses. That's the flexible Mac you can use for just about anything. Yeah. All right. And after we saw the keynote and things like that, obviously there's the reviews and people freaking out. But then again today, right before we started recording, we got news that Scott Forstall will be leaving Apple next year, and then that we're going to be switching around some of the executives. So what are your thoughts on that? That was definitely a shock when I saw that coming up on Twitter earlier today. Yeah, it is. And, and you have your, your, your naysayers that will definitely uh, you know find this as a, another instability, and this is another uh, deal that, that, that you know, they'll, they'll be able to, you know, kind of cast stones and say, here, here, here's another, um, again, instability, something, an area that, that they're, uh, unsecure, unstable in, but, uh, I, you know, change, changes happen. We see them in the, in the corporate world, world all the time. Uh, you know, I, I do think that, uh, it, it kind of gives a little bit of, a little bit of worry there, but, uh, I mean, we got, we got Cook still holding steady. I, I think he's going to, he's going to be a good, uh, driving force behind the company and, and really leading them. Uh, in the right direction, and I, I really think uh, th- who knows this could have this could have been some of that uh, really ho- holding holding Forsall accountable for some of the decisions, some of the things that he did, and uh, and 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 maybe some areas that weren't really uh, delivered on, and 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 some things that uh, were were not exactly up to par in the in the operating system, and uh, who knows this could this could be uh, more of that driving force behind Apple demanding. Uh, you know, kind of thinking differently and 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 going differently, uh, just to just to continue to be that uh, industry leader in the area. Oh yeah, and I'm looking on Apple's site here. Their title for it is Apple announces changes to increase collaboration across hardware, software, and services. Where basically they took Scott Forstall's job, and they also got rid of remind me of his name. He, the guy that took over. Um, the Apple stores a while back. Uh, John Browett, He's leaving Apple. Big surprise there. <laughs> He's also the guy who wanted to lay off different workers and really hurt the Apple stores. I think Tim was behind that one for sure. That was get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
as for Scott Forstall, I think it was more of a shock because he's been with Apple for so long. I mean, he was the youngest one on the board by far, and he's been with Apple since 97 when he was working with Steve on Next Step. Yeah. And he was directly responsible for iOS really from the beginning. So I think we're, I think it was kind of a shock there. But I think they put iOS, uh, the iOS software engineering, in the hands of Craig Federighi, which is also the guy who handles OS ten, which is kind of exciting. I think this means that we're going to start seeing uh, more of a unification across the operating systems, not necessarily where we see like Microsoft combining the systems, but I think we're going to see it be more ubiquitous across the platforms where it's not so much of a jump anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree, and I, I think it's gonna it's gonna make things uh, even more uh, more kind of compatible, and and we'll definitely see a lot of that integration uh, amongst them. So I, I think I think it will be a, a all in all a, a step in the right direction. I think uh, they'll be able to learn from it, grow, and uh, continue to. I, I think it's gonna have them really evaluate things and and uh, and and definitely make sure uh, you know before they before they move forward. They they uh, really just decide on uh, what what's the best step for the company and, and the best way to to move forward. So I, I think I think it's going to be uh, it, it'll probably be uh, in the end uh, a, a good move, maybe some adjustment and all that. But I think it'll 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 definitely keep the company uh, strong uh, and, and and a leader in the in the market. Yeah, and one of the things, uh, especially with Craig Federighi rolling over, I know we've seen some a couple of issues with iOS. Like uh, with iOS 6, there was a giant Maps issue. I don't know about you, but I don't remember ever seeing that on, on the Mac side with Craig Federighi running everything. I, I don't remember there ever being a huge issue, especially since I've been on the Mac. Right. Nuh-uh. I mean, I've been on the Mac since Snow Leopard, and I've moved over to Lion and Mountain Lion without a huge issue. The only issue I've had is from running developer installs, which could be expected anyway. Yeah. And seeing him being able to control both of it. And also, Johnny Ive is now in control of the design of iOS, which is interesting. We haven't seen really a major design overall. I mean, there were a few things that were changed in iOS 6. Like, we saw some of the different apps get a new coat of paint. Like, we saw the phone app change some. Yeah. And we saw things like the Photos app get a little a little change or, you know, things like Maps obviously got to go overhaul. But I'm wondering what all Johnny Ive is going to do because um, Scott Forstall was actually the one that brought the Aqua interface into Mac, which is like on all the different colors you saw with Tiger up, really up through Snow Leopard. And Lion and Mountain Lion started to get rid of it. So starting to move toward Johnny's designs, I think we're going to see definitely a difference when it starts coming to iOS 7. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Let's go. <laughs> oh yeah, and also, um, a lot of people complained about the iTunes Store and App Store refreshes. Where I don't know, I, I, I still like them. I think there's an upgrade from iOS five, but they're still kind of slow at times. But yeah. um, Eddie Q was also the one that was handed the Mobile Me really disaster, and now he's got iCloud out of it. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does with this. He's now in charge of all the web services, including the iTunes Store, App Store, iBook Store, and iCloud. And Siri as well. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see what he does to improve all of that. And it's exciting to see what's coming. Yeah. And it says here that um, Bob Mansfield, who said he was going to retire, is now he's going to lead a new group, Technologies, which is going to take over Apple's wireless teams and also going to take over semiconductor teams, uh, which they say have ambitious plans for the future. I think that could have something to do with um, – with remember Tim Cook earlier last year said something about how 2013 is going to be a huge year for the Mac Pro. Yeah. Or we haven't seen a refresh for that for a while. 
But as you've seen recently, like Aperture has not seen a major overhaul in years. We're still in Aperture 3, which when it was released was still distributed on DVD. And it was an upgrade from Aperture 2. And uh, by a lot of standards, Adobe Lightroom is one of the competitors. You see it not really moving as far ahead. So I think it's going to be interesting to see that app. And I think we're going to see some additions to Final Cut Pro 10 and things like that coming up the next year. So it's going to be, again, interesting to see exactly what they do and... I think at the same time, it might end up, that may be when we start seeing iWork, iLife, OS X. I think this is the year we see all the hardware refreshes. They made changes in hardware, and I think this next year is when we're going to start seeing software again. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and and I I agree with that. I, I think it would be uh it'd be a, a, a great uh, some some of the programs that we've uh we've 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 been using that that haven't really had that overhaul. I think it would uh it, it would be great to have them and and definitely a nice little refresher and uh some possibly added features that we could come to grow and love uh, just like we have in the past. Oh, yeah, and I don't think... Some people are going to think this is a sign that Apple's falling apart. Now, obviously, there's been a huge change in leadership here from Steve Co- uh, Steve Jobs to Tim Cook. A little bit of a difference there, I think. Um, yeah. Tim's not quite as loud and upfront as Steve is, and I think... I don't know. I think Scott was probably pretty closely... Uh, Involved with Steve, uh, working with iOS since uh, since really the iPad was uh, Steve's vision from the beginning before the original Macintosh and everything else. He wanted the tablet computer, and that's what the iPad is. So I think I think that's gonna. I don't think Apple's falling apart. I think it's a change in leadership, and I think that the new people, the people that are there now, are going to be able to handle it without an issue. And keep in mind that Johnny Ive is still there, and he's that Steve when his biography himself said that it's uh, that. Really, besides Steve, Johnny had the most uh, control over Apple. He handles all the design. I think he's got some power there, and it's, you're going to start seeing that in some of the upcoming releases. Bob Mansfield obviously knows what he's doing. Eddie Q knows what he's doing. Craig Federighi, they're all they're all really competent people, and I think they're going to find suitable replacements. They're going to start uh, training behind them since they are getting older. I don't think Apple's falling apart at all. And for all these analysts and things that drive me crazy anyway with their thoughts that Apple is dying even though they're gaining money, but Amazon is doing fine even though they're losing millions of dollars every quarter. They're crazy. Right. And, and, and one thing, speaking of that in the, the leadership, one thing that we, we saw, uh, especially with this last uh, keynote, is uh, really uh, Cook kind of coming out, getting, it seemed more comfortable uh, mm-hmm. as, he, as he presents it and, and, and really just kind of kind of getting in that, it, you know, uh, I think we we'd all agree that uh, definitely he had some some pretty big shoes to fill, and uh, and you know uh, I think we'd all be uh, somewhat intimidated stepping into that role. But it seems like he's kind of working out that and 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 really uh, able to kind of come into his own with uh, with the keynotes and 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 rolling out new products. One of the things that was kind of I guess this answers us today. One of my questions after the keynote was. Where was Scott Forstall? For there to be so much, so many iOS announcements during the keynote, where was he? I think that was kind of an indication of things to come today, and I guess Apple waited for the big buzz of the iPad Mini to kind of settle down a little bit before announcing that. Yeah, yeah. So this has probably been coming for a while, and we just didn't know. It's probably some of the reason we may not have a fully complete Maps app, which I like the Maps app. It works fine for me anyway, but I understand there's a lot of problems with it internationally, but... I think that's just. I think that was kind of little signs that we may may not have seen that uh, there was stuff going on behind the scenes ever since Steve died, and it probably came to a head. And it looks like yeah. they've got it resolved, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, with that, we're going to move into our second break. So stand by to stand by. 
Hi, Timothy Gregoire here from the Church Tech Geeks Podcast. Well, I'm about to run a sound check here at the church for a concert, but I want to take a quick moment to tell you about the Church Tech Geeks Podcast. It's a weekly show that talks about all things live production and church technology. We talk about topics from live sound, lights, and media to building websites for your organization. Join me each week as I walk you through some useful skills or while I talk to special guests from Adam Christensen to Nate Rake in a media show. Now, if you excuse me, I have a concert run. The Church Tech Geeks is a member of the Stoplight Network. It can be found in iTunes or at thechurchtechgeeks.com or in the Attack of the Stoplight Network feed. Taking mediocrity to its highest level, the G-Men on the MyMac Podcast. talk about some picks and tips this week. So um, my pick this week is going to be the Y drive. Now, I've picked this before on IMP, but this week they issued a pretty major software update to their Y drive app uh, and brought compatibility to iOS 6, where I didn't know it was not compatible before. I've been using it under iOS 6 for a while. But the biggest upgrade for me was that um, now I can push photos from my camera roll straight to the Y drive. So I can have a backup of everything off device on the Y drive without an internet connection anywhere I go. Now, in case you haven't seen it before, the Y drive is a small device. It's got a small Wi-Fi base station in it, basically. And it's got, mine is 32 gigs. They come in 16, 32, and 64 uh, gig sizes. It's basically an external hard drive for your uh, iOS or Android devices. They have a free app you download, and you can access all your different movies and TV shows and photos, anything you load onto it, really. And you can copy it to the device. You can copy stuff from the device over to it. The perfect scenario for us is like when we're on vacation, we've got three to five devices in the truck. And we just turn this thing on and plug it into the charger and let it run all the way. And we've got TV shows and stuff without trading DVDs around and worried about like my 8-gig iPhone filling up too fast or anything like that. We've just got 32 gigs of storage we can use with any device and at any time, really. And it's got a four to five-hour battery on it. The apps are free. Um... The 16 gig, I think, starts at 50 bucks, and it moves up to 80 for the 32, and I think it's like 120 for the 64 gig. Yeah, and that's definitely a uh, uh, definitely a, a, a great tool to have, as as you said, uh, on on vacations. You you got some maybe some travel time. Uh, I, I just recently uh, burned up just without thinking about it. Just uh, we were we were riding in the car, found something on Netflix we wanted to watch, and as we we're driving up the interstate. Uh, we're streaming the movie, and uh, man, it, it it will eat up your data usage very quickly. So having something like that, uh, you know, as a ace in the hole to you know kind of get you through that that travel time in the car is definitely a, an, an asset on those road trips. Oh, yeah, you can use any tool like Handbrake to import DVDs, uh, any format, and it it supports it. It'll play any format the iPhone or iPad's able to play uh, by default. And on the Android app, it does allow you to open up the videos in different devices. Like I'll use uh, Avia Video Player on my Kindle Fire. That'll open up some of the formats that their app can't handle natively, but it will switch over without an issue. So works pretty seamlessly, and I haven't had any issues out of it. And there is a mode uh, on it where you can switch it over to infrastructure mode and you can connect it to your existing um, Wi-Fi network, like say at home, and you can still have that uh, that amount of storage on your devices at home. But whenever you're away, and if you forget to switch it over before you leave the house, it'll see that the it can't detect the Wi-Fi network and it will automatically just turn on its own broadcasting so you can connect to it with your device. So it's pretty intelligent about how it handles it. Yeah. And my tip for this week is going to be... Um, after a little scenario I had a few weeks ago, um, my sister had called me uh, kind of 
uh, frantically because she forgot her passcode to her iPod. So with that, like, okay, she had the iCloud backup set it myself. So I had to restore the iPod. There was no other way around it. So I did, and it comes back up. So I go to restore from iCloud. No backups available. What? And then I go look at managed storage. There's four gigs of backup files there. What do you mean there's no backup? I call Apple about it. Oh, it started on a Wi-Fi network, but you walked out of the house in the middle of the backup. So instead of keeping the old backup, we just kept half the new backup. So you have no backup anymore of your device. Wow. Thanks, Apple. So since then, what I've decided to do is leave iCloud backup enabled. But whenever you sync, whenever you have iCloud backup enabled, if you sync to iTunes, it does not backup by default. It only transfers the, pur- transfers the purchases. It doesn't keep into the app data or anything. So instead, what you can do is you can still right-click on the device in the left sidebar of iTunes, and this might change this week with uh, iTunes 11, hopefully not. But you can click backup, and it will create a backup file just like it did beforehand. You can restore from there, and restore is usually faster anyway, so that's become pretty useful, and we've been doing that a lot more here in my house. Nice. All right, and Ryan, uh, what's your pick this week? Uh, I have, uh, as of a couple months ago, you, you turned me on to this... Uh, one password and it has changed the way I do logins and uh, definitely, uh, especially the uh, interface on my MacBook Pro, uh, I've, I've definitely uh, come to love it in Safari. Uh, just a, a, a nice little shortcut button. Uh, you type in your one password, it automatically keys in your uh, username and password for whatever, uh, whatever app or, uh, or, or web page you're on. And, uh, and, and, and puts it all in and it can even generate up to, is it 50 characters, uh, in, in length? Up to 64. Up to 64. Okay. So, uh, you know, depending on the website, some of them don't actually go that high, but, uh, Mm -hmm. it, it it can definitely, uh, definitely add some, some security features as I was turned on after my Twitter was hacked and, uh, and, and different, uh, churches that follow me and, and, and leaders in churches. Uh, began to get some uh, kind of embarrassing. Hey, what you know? I can't believe I saw you in this Facebook post, and you know it was it was very embarrassing. So uh, you know something that uh, I, I definitely didn't want to repeat, didn't want to relive. So immediately uh, switched over to it, and uh, haven't had any issues. And it's it's been very uh, it's it's been a lifesaver. I've I've definitely used it. Uh, I, I use it multiple times a day, and uh, and and just love it. And uh, would would definitely recommend it to uh, anybody on the fence or you know just debating it. Uh, it, it has a great uh, even interface for the iPad and, and iPhone as well uh, to to be able to uh, to link and, and log in and uh, and we back up through uh, the the passwords through Dropbox. So they're stored on that, and it's a it's a it's a great app, and uh, definitely definitely recommend it to, to anybody. Oh, yeah, there's not a day that goes by on my Mac that I don't use 1Password. It keeps track of different separate identities. So, you know, some of the sites that ask for registration, but you don't want to give them your real information, you can just create a fake identity and click that when you get on this web page, and it auto-fills it down the list so you don't have to come up with that information every time. It's really fast. I put product keys for different software in it. Like I've got a couple of licenses people have given me of uh, Windows 7 for testing if I ever need it, which I don't. But, okay, I'll just keep the product key around. Anyway, it's in 1Password. Any app ideas I have, um, which I am working on a couple of apps, I had them in IA Writer for a while, but then I thought about how it's not really encrypted. 
So I put it all in a 1Password secure note, so there's no chance of anybody stealing that as long as I keep my 1Password uh, backup file secure. And then it syncs through Dropbox, access it anywhere. And one of my favorite features is some one thing that's keeping a lot of people from going to these uh, more complicated passwords is the fact that they may have a work machine they need to get on and they can't install software. Well, there's something called 1Password Anywhere that a lot of people don't know about. Basically, you can go into your Dropbox folder and copy your 1Password data file to a flash drive. It's still completely secure, but you can open that package up, and there's a 1Password.html file in there. If you just open that up, it'll open up in any web browser, any modern web browser. It doesn't like Internet Explorer too much, but it works fine with Chrome and Firefox and Safari. You can open it up, and it's your 1Password vault on any computer. It's completely secure, and it's in a web browser. You can copy and paste your passwords over to another tab to log in from anywhere. Yeah, and uh, something else that I, I I didn't mention is uh, is it has a, a wallet tab inside of the uh, inside of the app, and and I have uh, I actually have a couple uh, uh, credit cards and and even uh, the the uh, church critical information that that has to be uh, has to be secured uh, with the church uh, all stored in there, and uh, it's all uh, very very easy to access. It's uh, of course, the name gives it away. It's one password to remember. That's it, and it uh, it stores all that information. So no no running out to the car to get the credit card to you know purchase something on Amazon. It's all right there and, and saved in it, and it's a done deal. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Timothy. No problem. And next week, Guy and Gaz will be back. And until then, you can contact them on twitter.com forward slash Guy and Gaz. That's G-U-I and G-A-Z. On Facebook, they are My Mac Podcast. Go and like them there for different giveaways they do throughout the year. And be sure to leave them an iTunes review. It helps them get up in the charts and get more subscribers to their podcast all the time. For any questions or feedback you may have, you can send it to feedback at mymac.com. Again, that's feedback at mymac.com. And Guy and Gas can get lonely sometimes, so make sure you send them a Skype. Uh, you can call them on Skype and leave a voicemail at area code 703-436-9501. Again, that's area code 703-436-9501. And you can find me on the Church Tech Geeks podcast at thechurchtechgeeks.com. On Twitter, I'm Timothy Gregoire, and that's G-R-E-G-O-I-R-E. And all my different contact information is, again, on my site at thechurchtechgeeks.com. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter or wherever else on the internet? Yeah, you can you can find me on Twitter at uh, Ryan underscore Wells uh, W E L L S, and that's my Twitter uh, account. Uh, come follow me, send me feedback, and uh, give me shout outs there. All right, well, thank you, Ryan, and until next time, take care. Thanks for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. Please check out the Stoplight Network for other podcasts like the Tech Fan Podcast, Pocket Size Podcast, Not Another Mac Podcast, Geekiest Show Ever, the Mac Specialist Podcast, and the all-new App Minute Podcast. Each week at the end, I do a segwa. Kind of fun, like looking for an Easter egg wa. This time, it was tough, and yeah, it's a little rough, but you try finding anything that rhymes with Gregoire.